we need to make sure we have the highest fidelity audio so you can talk about my air fryer. We're back here with yet another episode of Kishanon, your favorite podcast about conspiracy theories and food. Possibly the only podcast about those two things, but that doesn't mean you can't call us your favorites. I'm Matt. And I'm Kelly. Before we dig into the way I said that you think it's going to be a pun about the topic before we dig into, but it's not. No. But before before we dig into the the uh, the topic, I thought we would share that if you are uh, an Instagram type person, you can now follow us on the Instagrams. The account name is Keishanon. There's a link to it on our website. I like how Kelly gave me a look like she was thinking for a second, like, wait, no, you said it wrong. But then I was like, oh, no, wait, that's right. That is what it is. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I think I was just <laughs> making sure I did that correctly when I created it last night. <laughs> I had, I, so we both had a minor simultaneous freak out that none of you got to see because this is an audio podcast. Uh, I don't know if you knew that when you're listening that you can't actually see us. If you weren't aware, be aware of that. I'm going to probably cut that out. So tonight, we are going to talk about one of actually my favorite conspiracies because it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it is about the lunar landing. And did it actually happen? Did it? We might never know. I have a friend of mine who used to work as like a sound engineer in movies. And I was visiting him on the lot one time. And he was showing me around and I'm pretty sure the set we walked by, it was, it was probably for the Tom Hanks from the earth to the moon set, but it was a set from then. He's like, yep, that's where we fake the lunar landing as you know, we walk past that set. And I was, I always think about that, but, and then maybe there's a little bit to it. I don't know, Kelly, let's, let's find out. Did we really go to the moon? I don't know. Did we, it's hard to say. Some claim we have 50 years of evidence stating that we did indeed land on the moon and other people want you to know that it was all a lie from the beginning. So July 20th, 1969, at 3.17 p.m. Eastern Time, Americans landed on the moon for the very first time, which this is the part that always gets me because I don't understand this at all. But it was like a huge victory against the Soviets that we made it to the moon first. And I'm so far removed from that era. It just it does not compute that getting to the moon would have been like a victory over the USSR. Well, uh, the concern was that the Soviets would put a military base there or something like that. But there's also kind of a psychological component to it, right? Which is, you know, the idea of what they call a red moon, you know, like if the moon is is Soviet and that's hanging over you all the time. And there's there's actually a, just not to go off too much of a tangent. There is a, a Heinlein, a Robert Heinlein kind of short story, I guess it is. It's kind of a long short story. It's called The Man Who Sold the Moon. And it's obviously, it, it was written before we allegedly went to the moon for real. But the story is about, you know, like what the first moon landing would be. And the guy, he's basically the predecessor to Elon Musk, I think, now that I realize it is D.D. Harriman. Mm-hmm. But he was trying to raise money because it was a private enterprise. And first he goes and he's actually, and they don't use these names, but fundamentally imagine that he was going to try to raise money from Pepsi-Cola. And he showed them... Like he he basically the way he scared them was like saying, well, if you don't, I'm going to get money from Coke and we're going to like engrave Coca-Cola's logo on the moon. So everybody will see the Coke logo every, every night when they look up. And then later when he's trying to get investment or something from the U.S. government, he's giving the same argument, but showing the hammer and sickle as if that would happen. Like if the Soviets got there first, they would like graffiti the moon to be their logo, you know, or whatever. But maybe not that specific literalness, but that's the idea of Red Moon, right? Is that you have this thing over your head all the time. And the thought that it would be Soviet was really scary. So we had to get there. For, I mean, that was the thing, right? That the thought was get there first because of the psychological component of that. Yes, that's all. I actually get into that and the psychology of why it was such a big deal. But you're all absolutely correct. Sorry for um, the spoilers. <laughs> spoiler alert. But I do um, just want to mention now that you bring it up. I would love it if the moon was in like grave with the Coca-Cola logo. I would go outside and stare at the moon every single night. <laughs> I don't do that now, but I would if it had the Coke logo. Pepsi is terrible. The moon landing was in 1969, but still today, these theories are obviously very, very popular. 
The most recent opinion polls were taken in 2009 or the most recent ones that I could find. And it showed that 20% of Americans, 25% of people in the UK and 28% of Russians still believe the moon landings were faked. Like that's a big percentage of people. That is like outlandish that that many people that it's that prevalent because with a lot of this stuff, we sit there and we're like, okay, it's like a fringe thing, but that's like more than fringe, I think. It is more than fringe. So I think it's important to remember that these were, I don't know what questions were asked in these polls. So this could have been like, do you believe that some landings were faked or I don't know what they asked. Um, Data or some of the information wasn't the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like, something was fake. So I can't be quite sure what they asked, but I do know that five to 6% of people in more recent studies, but studies I couldn't verify who did them or how many people were in them show around five to 6% like seriously believe that space travel has all been faked and it's just a made up thing we funnel money to. In 2001, Fox aired a documentary called Conspiracy Theory Did We Land on the Moon? in which they did a whole entire documentary about how we faked the moon landing to beat the Soviets. This was in 2001. They are still showing these things on air. It's just kind of wild to me. Well, and, um, and, and you think about it like a mainstream showing of that. And again, in a, a I don't want to say pre-internet time, but before as people were as extremely online, that's exposing that idea to a lot of people that before I would imagine like before that time, you know, kind of in the pre-internet era or the early internet era, you'd have to do some digging into some weird like photocopied zines that someone was handing out on a street corner to like know about lunar conspiracy landing versus it just being a thing that people share in memes on Twitter. So like, but that to me seems like that would be pretty impactful that people who might believe that but didn't know it was a thing they might want to believe now suddenly could latch onto it. Well, you're exactly right. And actually, the moon landing conspiracy theories are kind of famous for being the movie conspiracy. It was the first conspiracy that the information wasn't disseminated largely through like books or club or group meetings like local Mason meetings or whatever. And it was all tied in with movies like every conspiracy is tied in with at least one movie. However, you are correct. The popular moon landing was faked theories. Now, they've been around since the moon landing occurred. This is not a new conspiracy at all. But in 1976, Bill Kazing, who was, by the way, born in Chicago, a nice local man, self-published a book. He's Bill Kazing is a former U.S. naval officer, and he self-published this book called We Never Went to the Moon, How Americans Got Swindled Out of $30 Billion, which, you know, not a bad angle, catchy title. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'll, it'll make you think. In this book, he claims that there's a 0.0017% chance that NASA could have successfully landed on the moon. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) So you're saying there's a chance. A little dumb and dumber quote for the night. But so Bill goes on to say that basically he says his whole premise is that it would have been so much easier to put money, effort and time and resources into faking the moon landing rather than risking going to the moon and not making it, which is what he said would have happened. So that's what his premise largely was. Um, his book also discusses that there would, there would have been a problem basically traveling through the atmospheric radiation so that it just, the astronauts and the space shuttle just would burn up in this wall of radiation, which I... Except I, that they didn't, but you know. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. He claims in this book that NASA lacked technical expertise. There was an absence of stars in the lunar landing photos, which is proof of a hoax. So this is a huge thing that moon landing deniers, I guess, as we should call them, claim is that why are there no stars in all these photos? Um, and I'll I'll kind of go kind of uh, through myth and bust, myth bust those. A little yeah, bit. yeah, the research was kind of scattered on this one. It, it's not my best research organizationally. So everyone's just going to have to deal just, with it. Just come along on the journey with us listeners. You know, who knows what I was doing when I was researching this podcast? It's hard to say. <laughs> I was enjoying the movie Capricorn one, which we'll talk about later. It'll all come together in the magical tapestry that is Kishanan. Um, So he also says, this is still casing, um, that unexplained optical anomalies. I don't know what that means, really. I don't know. Maybe he thought there was shit looked weird. Yeah. (laughs) Which, yeah. Who, what's your frame of reference, casing? How would you know? 
And then he says there's an absence of blast craters beneath the lunar modules and the engines would have generated a dust storm that wouldn't have settled for days. But also the day the moon landing happened, Dutch newspapers published articles on the front page of their newspaper saying that this was faked. I didn't realize that the Dutch were like so into denying moon, you know, like they were so core to this that that's that's the thing you never think about when you go to Amsterdam. I had no idea. But the Dutch newspaper editors had one too many space cakes that night and they were like, absolutely not. No way did this happen. And we will publish. Bill Casing also brings up one of my favorite things in all of our conspiracy theories, a mysterious death of someone a long, long time ago. So in this case, it was Thomas Barron. Thomas Barron is a man from Pennsylvania and he was quality control, a.k.a. the Kelly Kapoor of North American Aviation and primary contractor to build the Apollo command module. So he is a big time man, this Mr. Barron. The National American, North American Aviation fired him for a critical safety standard report he leaked. Basically, he wrote leaked this report critical of the Apollo safety measures and Apollo quality control and then testified before Congress being very critical of NASA safety protocol violations. Okay, so he testifies against the North American Aviation Association saying they were not safe. They were not following rules. And then six days later, him and his whole family are killed in a car accident. Whoops. Yeah. Who's to say who did that? It was probably the Winter Soldier. Bill Kazing thinks it was NASA. Okay, And he says so in his self-published book. Should we self-publish a Kishanon book? We should, because then we could be we could cite it as reference. Just cite ourselves every episode. It would be so much easier for when I'm copying and pasting links at the last moment for you. Bill Kazing also claims that NASA loves to do a little murder and they just murdered all the astronauts on Apollo 1 and the Challenger because those astronauts were threatening to expose the hoax. Only those ones. One of the screaming flaws in so much of all of this shadow stuff to me is nobody could keep their damn mouth shut, right? I mean, and maybe there are people that can, but it is not like the percentage. If you took the entire list of people involved in the space program that would have to know about this and to have it only be the crew of Apollo 1 of, of that particular mission and the cha- that particular Challenger mission were the only people that that were at a risk to that it just yeah it, no. it kind of doesn't that doesn't add up and that will be in my self-published book that's a good theory and it tracks but i think that's something i think about a lot with these cover-up conspiracies or stuff like this in general because there'd have to be so many people covering it up and agreeing to this but then i'm like maybe not with the moon landing i don't think we fake the moon landing i want to make that very clear but like would I don't know. I think it's very possible that there are cover-ups and people are just off to keep them quiet. So I mean, oh, why absolutely. not this either? Yeah. yeah, there are it's 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 scale is the thing that makes a yes. lot of this fall apart, right? Because am I saying that there are no nefarious things happening that there are no actual I don't want to say conspiracies, but you know, like sketchy shit. Yeah, and you know what happens? People do come out about it. And yes. maybe bad things happen to them, but it's still a it's not at the scale of the thing that mobilized this entire country's industrial complex basically for years at a time. There's just too many people and, you know, to 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 architect around around that. You know, that being said, does that mean that there aren't some things that maybe weren't exactly kosher you know i mean that that's the thing i think it's i think when you want to distill something like this you pull out the pieces that might not add up but it doesn't mean that it's part and parcel all completely fake right because doing that is just too big it's it's too big for even for the illuminati these things do happen but when they cherry pick conspiracy theorists cherry pick these little details and try to apply it to these large scale events and it just never would add up. Yeah, there's just like a little detachment from reality sometimes I think when we think there's millions of people covering stuff up. But Casing also went on to generally accuse the CIA, the Federal Reserve and the IRS of brainwashing the public, poisoning the food supply and controlling the media. So very chill stuff that Casing thought was happening. But Kazing does say that he thinks we can go into outer space. What he thinks happened is we've launched those rockets, except for the people we did murders on because they were going to expose us. And they just circled the Earth in their rocket for days and days and weeks. 
<laughs> which would they still just be did fun. low earth orbit, you know, and just hung out. And then we're like, well, it seems like about the right amount of time for us to have gone to the moon. It's sort of like, you know, when, when you're going to, uh, you just need to get out of the house you know, maybe away from your, your kids or your family and you claim to run an errand, but you really aren't going to do it. And you just go park like in the target parking lot for having, you're like, yeah, this seems about the route amount of time it would take for me to like go to the DMV or whatever. Right. So then, then I can, I can head back now. I don't have children. I do that too, but I do do that just so I can avoid being productive. I'll just leave and say, I have to run errands and go sit in the food court at the Thompson center. Okay. And that's what happens. You're basically an astronaut, is what you're yes. saying. It is circle the Thompson food court for days while they stage the moon landing. So another big, I don't know, impetus for these moon landing theories gaining traction was in 1980. Um, and this is a good topic we're going to be covering soon. In 1980, the Flat Earthers Society put out claims in various publications saying that the moon landing was staged by Disney. And they were the first one to throw out Kubrick's name as director of the Disney staging. I mean, if you're going to get someone to do it, like, you know, kudos to, you know, aim high, right? Yeah, get the best. Get the director of Eyes Wide Shut for your project. I know it was before that. Okay, guys, (laughs) do not yell at me. So the biggest motivation, as we touched on at the beginning, and maybe Matt has more to say about this, is that we wanted to beat the Soviets to the space race. And we didn't have the technology and we knew we weren't getting it. So we just had to come up with a large scale plan to fake it. People debunk this saying the Soviets were advanced and would have immediately known. Um, That's what I was just going to say. Like, you know, I can I can even if I swallow the like, you're going to do this to fool the pop, the general populace of the U.S. so that you can take their money. It's not like the Russians would just be like, oh, I saw the thing on TV. I guess we got beaten. Pretty sure they weren't just taking just that part to decide to, you know, do what they did. So so, um, another online conspiracy theorist, and I didn't write their name down because I didn't care, but they said that the Soviets would have been unable to track. Because they didn't have a self-published book. So they didn't have a self-published book. I think they were a guy from Reddit. You know, I don't like to announce those people. But they said that the Soviets didn't have the technology to track our lunar landing until 1972, which is why the last three Apollo missions were canceled. However, the mission is like, oh, shit. And how they disprove it. I guess we're done. Whoops. Pack it up, boys. It's time to go. (laughs) We're going to start the war on drugs, okay? We got to get out of here. But so the this theory is debunked completely because the Apollo missions were canceled in 1970 for budgetary reasons. So it wouldn't have mattered. And I don't think any of that BS is true. NASA faked the moon landing to increase the budget of NASA. I don't know, to take more money for themselves, which is really the most believable one. But the problem with that to a point... NASA exists for the moon. That the, the space race was always about getting to the moon. Like every single thing we did in the, the pre-Apollo missions were precursors to Apollo, right? It wasn't like we were doing a bunch of space shit and then we're like, you know what would be cool to do next? Let's go to the moon, right? It was all leading up to that. So NASA wouldn't, and again, that doesn't mean, yeah, I'm sure a conspiracy theorist would be like, well, but I mean, that's of course, the, 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 that was all part of it. But I'm like, it's not like they were an existing thing that were like, how can we get some more money? They were created to do that. And then maybe they were created to do that to take the money. But like, you know, that's, I really like early uh, space history stuff. I mean, space shuttle stuff is cool and ISS is cool and everything, but especially Apollo. I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with it, but I really, really like it. And this is my pitch for if you, maybe if you believe it was faked or not, maybe if you believe the lunar landings are faked, here's a good fictional series to watch or not. And it's on, it was produced by HBO. Uh, Tom Hanks produced it and it's called From the Earth to the Moon. And it was, I think, and and listeners may correct me if I get the order wrong, I believe it came out after Apollo 13. You know, I mean, so it was sort of like not capitalizing on that, but that was, you know, something Tom Hanks got interested in, whatever. And so it's a mini series. And it basically tracks the Apollo program starting within the first episode is called Red Moon. And it's kind of talking about how it happened. And there's a whole bunch of like you watch this thing and you're like, oh, they're in it. And there's a bunch of really interesting episodes. There's one that focuses on like the experience for the astronauts' wives, what that was like. Their Apollo 13 episode is actually really good because they didn't need to dig into what actually happened because there was a feature film. But it was really about, and something I didn't realize, is a lot of what we think of as modern journalism 
almost sensationalism really came to bear during Apollo 13 because there were a lot of journalists that were like, you know, they kind of camped out on the astronauts homes and to like talk to the families. And that was just not done before. You know, it was sort of the old guard was like, you respect the people who are involved. You don't get in their face and whatever. And Jay Moore plays kind of the jackass, like new, new school journalist, as you can imagine, he was quite good at. And the reason that I'm telling everybody, it was unavailable on any kind of streaming for the longest time. Like when HBO Go first came out and everything, I like was in a mad dash to watch from the earth to the moon. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And it only, I'd say now within the last, I think it was a couple of years ago, but you can get it on HBO streaming now. And it's it's super good. So check it out. I actually added it to my list as you were talking. So I will check it out because I also have the movie Apollo 13 came out when I was about seven or eight, I think. I kind of grew up in a post-space kind of, not war- world, obviously, but it, it was... It was like post-shuttle, It was mostly, post-Challenger, right? and it was definitely post-space, obviously, post-space race. It was the 90s. So Apollo 13 was a really awesome movie that we all kind of knew nothing about this whole space race. And it did get me really interested as a kid in reading about the space race history and kind of understanding that these men were all just really military pilots who got involved in this kind of crazy program. They're remaking the right stuff as a as a series, and I don't remember what it's on. You can you all have the internet. Go find it. The right stuff is a great movie, but I'm really excited about this this series, which I don't really know when it's coming out, but I keep getting Twitter ads for it every now and again, and it reminds me. And then I'm like, oh, it's not out yet. Both for me, it's like it's the tech is really interesting. Uh, kind of like the challenges that they had to solve to do this, and 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 there's a lot of really serendipitous stuff where it's just like. We don't know what we're doing and we're, we think it might be this. And then, but also so much of the psychology and how our American experience was different around something like this than it would be today. You know, the national identity connected to it, how much, you know, Kennedy was connected to it. And it's, it's I don't know, it's just really, really fascinating to me how, how much of a thing this was. And then thinking about all the people that did something with it, right? Like, I mean, there was so, which again, goes back to like, how the hell do you lie about all this? There was, everybody was doing, obviously not everybody, but there's so many people and have stories about like, oh, my grandfather, like was the engineer that designed the landing pads or something. And, oh, I'm, I'm really embarrassed because I have a friend who that's the story, right? It's like her grandfather was like an engineer on the LEM, you know, and it's a whole thing. And uh, maybe she listens, maybe she doesn't, because I think I remember who it is. And if it's you, tell me. And I'm sorry that I, I'm forgetting that it's actually you, but I think I know who it is, but I don't want to say your name because I might be wrong. Lunar landing stuff, Apollo program stuff is super duper interesting. And yeah, uh, I don't remember what we were. Oh, we we're talking about what well, you're going to get about Kubrick faking it, though, right? Because well, we yeah, we we're going to get into Kubrick faking it. But you also touch on a really good point is that the moon landing in 1969 was really still one of the earlier events that the world got to watch on TV together at the same time. So it did create this kind of different cultural phenomenon, which is partially why it immediately spurned so many conspiracy theories, because it was something that was common to everyone. And it was easy. It was just an easy thing for people to glob onto, I think, and create stories about because it was an obsession. Because when imagine now if we were just constantly all getting one channel of the same thing around the whole world, then no options, it would be just insanity every day. But I was going to go through and touch on a lot of the conspiracy theories point to the photographs and the technology used as why it was faked. So I was going to go through and kind of do some myth busting. A little debunking. A little debunking. Yeah. Um, I'm interested because I've read about this. So I want to see which ones you you found. Okay. See if there's any that I haven't heard about or or seen. And not that I'm a super expert in it, but out of out of most of these topics, this is one that I'm like, I might know a little bit more about or at least have, have read oh, that's about. Exciting. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, the first one is the crosshairs, um, which is the grid on a filtered lens, if that makes sense. It didn't make super sense to me, but it was basically, it would be like the grid. I'm doing hand motions as like if you can see them. Like the cross-hatching a little the bit? The cross-hatching on the, the lens to like put it into focus, like a scope. Okay, yep, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of the photos, you can kind of see the crosshairs behind the objects. And all the cameras used for the moon landing were fitting with a Risco plate. I don't know. Which is a clear glass plate with a etching on it. I'm doing terrible at this. But anyway, it looks like the objects were pasted 
over the crosshairs that you can see in the photos. But in the original photos, these aren't present. And it's just due to copying and scanning and bleed through because of the old technology. Artifact degradation through. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's not digital information. Yeah. So it can degrade. Right. Exactly. And I, I really think a lot of the people online are younger and do not understand sometimes. Not that they don't understand, but they don't understand making copies of a copy. Because if you didn't grow up with a dual tape deck of making copies or making copies of VHS tapes, this doesn't make any sense to you. But if you did, you 100% know that's why you don't make a copy of the copy. But you can totally make a copy of a digital copy and it's exactly the same. So... Yeah. So then the other one, the big one is that the crosshairs are rotated in the wrong place, but it's due to crops and rotations. Like in the original images, none of this is present. It's just sort of like the cleaned up or or like made to look nicer. you know. Right. And then conversely, some people claim the photo quality is much too high for that era and they wouldn't have been able to get clear images, which no one can really debunk other than to say they were using obviously top of the line technology to photograph the moon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry that it's a little bit better than it's sort of like when they're like, you know, I'm sure there's conspiracies around. Uh, There's no way that modern military could specify the specific location via GPS. But you're like, no, by the way, you know, the military has a better GPS than your car. Yeah, we're not they're not using OnStar or like whatever to find targets i whatever people get it together okay they didn't give them like kodak cameras to go to the moon with maybe they were kodak branded i, was I don't just want to disrespect kodak but you know what i mean <laughs> they did not take their like instant polaroid to it wasn't the moon a polaroid. And, like, yes yeah hope to send it back <laughs> it wasn't like that little 110 film camera no. with the flash cube rotating flash cube like they didn't have to like go back to the earth and wait for it to develop for a little while to see what they got that's not how it was going down on the moon And the other big one, as I mentioned earlier, was that there's no stars. And I actually, basically there there were stars, but they didn't come up in the picture. And it just looks different from the moon on Earth because of reflections. And because there's no atmosphere, right? Because that's why stars twinkle, for example, right? Is it's the, it's the, it's refraction through the atmosphere. So it's, did you see Um, the one about the waving flag? Yeah, I'm getting to it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's like 30 of these, Matt. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, this podcast is going to be five hours and four of it is going to be photography detail. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And you're all just going to have to deal with it. I know. So another one is that the, there's identical backgrounds in the photos that, the photos were allegedly taken one mile apart, but who, I don't know how anyone would prove that. And the debunking was basically like, this is stupid. It was just blank space and and the moon. Like there was nothing for you to see. And then someone also said, and this is, kills me because it's just like a random internet lady and she's like I know more than NASA so what I'm going to tell you is that the number of photos taken was too high they basically claim that so how it happened was when they were on the moon photographing this it was being sent back to earth via whatever I don't really know how radio Um, okay she was claiming that they would have had to take one picture every like 20 seconds and have it sent back for it to have worked but she didn't count that there were five separate photographers. <laughs> right, yeah. There were three, like three actual photographers and then two like cameras in the lunar module, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So there was, that was, there was one photo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't I love just... that she didn't think that they, I love that she thought they sent one camera <laughs> to the moon. But Buzz Aldrin's not walking around with like his Instamatic, you know, being like, hang on a second there. Hey, Neil, throw up some, some peace sign there. They did rock, paper, scissors for who got the good camera and the other two astronauts had to BYO. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is a good one because this goes into the movie one that we'll get into in a little bit. But someone claims to see that there are two letter C's etched into moon rocks. And that is studio props. Oh, or it's like a working copy for putting Coke's logo on the moon. Which I really want to happen now. But I think there was uh, one of the C's was just like a photographic material from here. And again, like, sorry, most of this is just people not realizing that when they're looking at a photo posted online, it's like the 10,000th copy of a copy of a copy and it's been edited for magazines and then they try to digitize stuff. So then they make it, they make different crops and edits. So this was a funny one though that I had never heard before. And I want to know if you've heard it before. So several residents of Perth, Australia said they saw a Coke bottle roll across the bottom right of the screen. 
And like dozens of residents in Perth did report this, but it was only in Perth. So I'm inclined to think, and the debunking is that it was their local production company, like how they were airing it. Well, I guess the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy, came out after the moon landing. So it couldn't couldn't have been influenced by that. But yeah, I mean, when they were all from Perth, Australia, is it pronounced Perth? I don't know. Um, I have to start looking at pronunciations eventually, and I just just haven't gotten it together yet. Then there's the theory that Bill Kazing put out uh, that astronauts couldn't have survived the radiation, the Van Allen radiation belt, um, and more so that the cameras couldn't have survived. But like you said before, they just kind of did. So I don't know if that's a great theory. And other people claim like the moon surface would have melted the camera. And I'm like, again, you guys, NASA really figured this out before they went. They weren't going to leave it to chance. They figured out how to make a camera that could work on the moon. As, as best they could. I mean, that's sort of a little bit like and, and not to discount like all these things we're talking about were things that people would be worried about. And, and part of the, in, in some of the case, the only way that we knew that they did it right is that these astronauts didn't die. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, right. so that's 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 pretty, pretty. Not, I'm not saying that like modern space travel is like not heroic or risky or anything. But you think about like Mercury missions, like so much of that was like, we don't know what will happen if somebody goes outside the space capsule. We we think there's there's no way to test it except to be like, let's test it. And we have to test, you know, so I mean, it's, yeah. it's that's that's another part of like what really gets me about all of this is just like, that's just so gutsy with a lot of these early astronauts where it was just like, I guess this is how we'll find out because all these things that the theorists bring up as to why it didn't work, they're grounded in concerns that like, like, yeah, that's a thing that might've happened and they had contingency around it. But the only way to know was to actually do it. I feel like there's a little bit of this too. Like, so I work in hospitals, so I'll be talking to like nurses and doctors about charts or whatever. And they'll be lecturing me because I have to educate my patients on what they need. And my point is, I think these moon landing people are a little like me when I'm hearing about medicine and how it works and how the body works. Because on paper, I'm like, no, this could never work. And then everyone else is like, but you have the human body. You You're have like, to accept for the that human it did. Body, yeah. <laughs> and it is working. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I just believe you. I also, this is, I can't remember the book I read, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. And if I figure it out later, I'll post it to one of our social medias, our new Instagram, our Twitter, whatever. A lot of this training to go to the moon was just these military pilots just agreeing to try it. And just even the flight experiments they did here to train for this was just them like pushing barriers and pushing boundaries and doing things they hadn't done before. And like there were some deaths in training. There were crashes. So... It did work because they tried it here first. It wasn't like they didn't know they could, you know, break the sound barrier. They didn't know they could get through radiation. These are all things you can test here before you go there. And then you just pray that when you get there, it's legit. So now we get to the thing, yeah, where the flag is fluttering, but there's no wind on the moon. And would you like to talk about this a little, Matt? Well, a little bit. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot to it, but other than just let's talk about physics for a minute. Yeah, that's sort of the theory is they say like, okay, well, if you watch the video, you can see that the American flag is is fluttering. It's moving in the wind, which obviously it couldn't do on the moon because there's no air on the moon. So therefore, there's no wind. There's there's none of that. But what there is, is the uh, laws of thermodynamics and a body put in motion remains in motion. And you know how a flag could be put in motion is when you stick it in something and the pole of the flag shakes a little bit. Turns out the attached flag will shake a little bit for a little while. And actually, I think it would shake a little bit longer on the moon because there's no air resistance to slow it down and absorb that kinetic energy and make it stop shaking. So not only is it possible to for that to move on the moon, it actually might move. Like, so if you tried that at home, you know, with your flag, you'd be like, oh yeah, but it only did it for like a hot second. But that's because that flag that's moving is moving through air, which provides resistance. So is that is that fairly accurate for, according to what you uh, saw? There might be more. I don't know. Yes, but I went with a simpler theory that I knew how to understand and relay to you, which is, which is it, Moonland hoaxers? Okay, is there, was there a dust storm created by the lunar landing modules or was there no wind on the moon to wave the flag? You pick a lane and stay in it, okay? It can't be both. Either the, 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 the lunar wind does not only affect lunar dust. 
<laughs> right. How if we've created a dust storm with this lunar landing module, which you claim would have happened and which the astronauts say there obviously it did happen. So that's why the flag is moving in my very non-expert, simple-minded opinion, because I don't understand thermodynamics at all. And there's it's another fundamentally one. just that a body in motion tends to remain in motion. A body at rest remains, stays at rest unless it's impacted by something else. So all I'm saying is if you are, if something isn't moving and it's attached to something that moves a little bit, that other thing will probably move a little bit. That's, that's basically, that, that was is me being like fancy. When, I, when I'm laying on my couch and my, my phone falls and hits my face because I lose grip, is that a body at rest? Is that rest until something impacts it? That's a um, thermodynamic. That's a, that's a new tone. That's Newtonian <laughs> physics for you. Thank you. <laughs> so then there was another kind of which one is it pair of reasons why the moon landing was fake. So they Lunar said that deniers the, cake eat it. Why not both? They they want both for sure because they say that the the astronauts boots made footprints in the moon surface, but the lunar modules made no imprint. So that's a sign it was faked, but I'm like, how would that be a sign it was faked? Because they they forgot to fake the imprints of, from the lem, maybe is what they're trying to say. But also, and I could be wrong, and I want to understand this because I haven't really heard this one, or at least I don't remember it well enough. The platform of the lem, the lower stage, never left. So are they like? How would you see if it left an imprint? Because there would be no imprint. Because you know where the imprint is under the pads of the lunar lander that you can't see because the damn thing's still on the moon, right? I believe that's yes. true. Like nobody went back and got these things, and they're still there. Like if you went to the moon, you'd find all the lower stage of every lem that's landed on the moon because it's still there. Because we just, you know, we're like, whatever. Someone will come clean this up later. It's sort of like in Mad Men when you know they go to do the picnic and like Don Draper's family they just throw all the garbage on the grass and walk away from it. Like because <laughs> it was the '60s. It was a different time. Who cared about the Earth? We are going to the moon or the moon for that factor. Because I mean, yeah. literally, we're littering the moon. At this point, you know, so screw you, Mother Moon or whatever the moon equivalent of Mother Earth is. I just think this makes no sense because I don't I think people are looking at the footprint of the astronauts walking on the moon and acting as if it would still be there today if they went back and not like it was one photograph of a footprint. Like the moon is made of dust. There's little moisture. Right. Well, and, and a you wouldn't lot of have those a preserved print. Are, yeah. They, and, and also they walked over them again themselves. And just over time, things move. It doesn't move from windstorms or whatever. Are you going to talk about the reflectors? No, but you can now. Okay. This isn't a conspiracy, but this is a debunking thing. I didn't so, come across that one. So again, I'm going to get the detail not quite exactly right. So listeners, if that's you've got, our brand, exactly. So thank you. Our brand is something I sort of remember watching on the History Channel one time. Uh, but maybe it wasn't on every lunar landing, but at least on several for scientific measurement purposes, there were um, some like basically for lack of oversimplifying, but reflectors were installed, like big reflective panels on the surface of the moon to be used, not not to prove that we really went there. Although maybe that I vaguely remember that might have actually been a little bit of it, but mostly it was because it was like a way to be able to measure distance or like, okay, we have this thing there and then we can do this. And those things are, they are visible and you can see that and you can shoot light at them and get a reflection back. We put a thing on the moon. Right. And it, you can to this day and it's where we said it was and it's it's very scientifically measured. But again, always debunked by conspiracy theorists because everybody who is using those reflectors is part of the conspiracy. That's right. They are. Because I can't like take my like flashlight. Although, but that's the thing is it's also one of the things, if I recall correctly, that an amateur astronomer can actually measure, right? Like, okay. like I don't think you can use your at-home telescope and see the lunar landing site and see resolution that there's a LEM platform there. But there are like at the, at the level of what uh, the average person has available to them, I believe the whole thing is you absolutely can do it with these reflectors, right? Like that's a thing that you don't need like high-powered NASA of telescopes to do, you know, it's something that effect. I, I wish I remembered more of the detail about it. I don't have an at-home telescope, just binoculars because I'm real creepy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so those were, oh wait, no, I have two more. I'm sorry, I forgot. Great. So well, wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's two additional loony theories. One was that people didn't understand how there was only a two-second delay in communication between the Earth and the moon. But there actually was more than a two-second delay in communication because when the 
I'm trying to remember. I was just reading this over and trying to get this all straight. But basically, by the time like NASA Command Center got the communications from like the astronauts, they had already entered their response. So it was there was a longer than a two second delay, but it was because NASA was predicting like what they would have to respond and sending it back as like so as soon as they would get it and notice that it was normal it would already be sent like i i think i i think i can get that where you can see this um so i i used to give uh talks about like how to handle like incidents within tech like when shit's going bad like how do you communicate how do you plan and apollo 13 is actually a really good example because all the recordings are available online so you could listen to the entire apollo 13 and i think other missions too but to the recordings of everything that happened and you're hearing Houston talking to the astronauts and everything. And, and it's, it's really interesting for a couple of ways. One is like, if you're into like incident command and understanding like how to work through a problem, it's a textbook, like of how they handle it. But it's really kind of crazy that like shit is going so sideways and they are just like chill as cucumbers, right? You know, it's just like, okay, what do you got? Give me an update. Give me an update. What do you got? What do you got? But I feel like there's definitely more that like when those things are happening, there's definitely more than two seconds between Houston and the astronauts, because that's not one where they're being like, because they really didn't know what the F was going on. Right. And they're kind of dealing with the, okay, here's what's happening. Here's the update. Right. And yeah, if you want to be really impressed, like you kind of get that impression from the movie, you know, the Ron Howard movie, but you're like, ah, it's a movie, you know, they, you know, all this thing, wouldn't people really be freaking out? And I'm sure Mm -hmm. they were, but you would never know. And because it was like, we have a problem and you know, the, the way you solve a problem, like when you're in the middle of that, you just, you, you know, if you stay calm, the people around you will stay calm. And they just were going through, right? And mission commander, you know, and, and, and exactly. uh, mission control is just like, give me an update. What do we think it might be? Okay, okay, okay. So if you're someone who ever does incident response and you're having, you know, whether you're first responder or in tech or anything like that, like check out the Apollo 13 recordings. It's really, really interesting. No, that is really cool. And I might check those out because again, that is, you know, when we're preparing, like one of my job duties is I work on detox wards. And so when someone's going through a medical detox, we have every scenario ready. Like we have things ready to go for any scenario. So it's like, you're not starting from zero. NASA's not like getting this communication and then starting from zero and figuring out a problem and sending something back. It's already there. We They just have to, you know they're getting whatever the specific problem is and then they have something ready to go. Which is why this was one of the weirder parts, like weirder theories about why this wasn't correct because this seems like very simple logic to get around. But um, but there's also a bunch of missing tapes from Apollo 11. Again, I don't want to be like Pollyanna and say like nothing happened to these tapes, but they were basically given to like a NASA museum and then they were given back to the Capitol and given back to the museum. And at some point, like part of them just went missing. So whether that was on purpose or not, I mean, I, things go missing. I don't know. And and you know what? Maybe there were things on there that were not like, I, I'm not saying like it was the evidence of aliens, but maybe it was. Oh, I wish it was. Well, they're missing. So Shit. we don't know. <laughs> don't we so have like be. aren't we finding out about the aliens soon don't we because of the covid bill don't we get to find out right right so maybe that's all going to come out we will do a special edition breaking news Keisha we will on. yes yes absolutely i will we might even work. live stream that shit <laughs> it's just me getting fired from my job for running out so i can record an emergency Keisha right, exactly <laughs> like um, but that was pretty much all I had for like things people who are not NASA scientists say couldn't have happened and is why the lunar landing was fake. Right. And then I kind of veered my research into movies and pop culture and the moon landing. And then after that, I did a little brief research into whether or not Hitler lives on the moon. And we'll Does get he? to that at the end. I don't know. It's hard to say. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little deep tease for whether or not Hitler lives on the moon. So my new favorite film is the 1978 film Capricorn One. It stars uh, O.J. Simpson, James Brolin, and Sam Waterstern as the astronauts of an Apollo mission. <laughs> it's streaming now on HBO Max, and it's a little over two hours, which is, goes against my rules for any movie that's not The Godfather or Titanic. You're not supposed to watch if it's over two hours. Um, I watched episode, most of it. Keisha Nan is now sponsored by HBO Max, apparently, because this is the second that's right, it is. we've done for something on HBO Yes, <laughs> Pay HBO, you pay us right now. <laughs> you asked for this. 
Telly Savalas was also involved in some way. I don't know. I just got really obsessed with this movie. But uh, basically, people cite this as a conspiracy film and it helped propagate conspiracies because basically this is the plot of the movie is that they figure out they can't pull off the mission or they're going to crash or something. So they fake their death, just like we said, or whatever. And then it's about like kind of Elliot Gold, who was kind of foxy looking when he was young, you know, uh, is doing before he went up. on to be Monica and Ross's father, Mr. Geller. <laughs> But yeah, I so mean, then, he does look pretty sexy drinking directly from a can of condensed milk. So you know. he did. That's a good, good friend, Steve Cut Man. I'm so impressed. <laughs> when the episode when Phoebe is hitting on him the whole time, right? Well, she's yeah. She had a she had like a sex dream about him. <laughs> it was one of the Thanksgiving episodes. Well, why um, else would there be condensed milk for him to drink just randomly? Right? I made a bread pudding this weekend, and it had a can of condensed milk, and I was like, this stuff is just. What is it? It's like it's basically sugar and milk. I learned that on Nailed It last night. You know, they were were talking about someone putting condensed milk in her cake recipe, and like the celebrity guest or whatever, or the you know guest judge was like that. That's basically all. All you're doing is nothing other than adding more sugar. And because condensed milk right, is basically you are. just sugar and milk. Because yeah. <laughs> like the person so was like, this is my secret weapon. And she was like, or you could just put in sugar. That was a secret weapon for this bread pudding recipe that was too involved and it wasn't that good. So I'm not going to recommend it to you, fine listeners. So the other thing, the other big movie conspiracy. Does Hitler look, but back to Hitler, right? Hitler living oh. on the moon. Is he there drinking condensed milk out of a can? That's or? all he brought because it's shelf stable to go to the moon for... <laughs> 60 years, 80 years, however long it's been. So Stanley Kubrick, 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 Kuman, Kuman. So 2001, A Space Odyssey was released the year before the moon landing. And there's a big moon landing scene in this movie that was shot in a studio. And it looks very, very real. (laughs) Some people on the Internet say it looks more real than the real moon landing. (laughs) To which I had questions, but that's their opinion. So NASA realized that the theory goes, sorry, I should not say this as a fact. NASA did not really ever say this. So some say that NASA realized they couldn't do it. And by it, I mean, do the moon landing. So they were big fans of 2001 A Space Odyssey and contacted Mr. Kubrick Kubrick, and asked him if he could recreate his moon landing scene. And so that they would just kill their astronauts and recreate this. And people say that The Shining is Stanley Kubrick Kubrick's confession because in it, Danny, the son, wears an Apollo 11 sweater. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. the yeah. theory. <laughs> well, I mean, in The Princess Bride, Fred Savage is wearing a Bears jersey. Does that mean that like, is that, you know, like Rob Reiner's confession that he's mm-hmm. like somehow connected to like the Democratic convention in Chicago back in the day? You know, I mean, you're reaching a little bit there conspiracy theorists and just saying and and what i'm calling you out for reaching like explicitly besides just implying it that's saying something what were stanley kubrick kubrick's motives you might ask hmm i say kelly what were stanley (laughs) kubrick kubrick's motives well some say it was just patriotism matt stanley kubrick kubrick wanted us to win the space race all right and he was down to do this (laughs) others say it was cold hard cash so he could film eyes wide shut later on um, and that's then that's other- more your your theory there on that one. I think <laughs> I feel like that's awfully specific. I'm now a Wikipedia. But how, how else would he get eyes? How else would he get eyes wet shut funded? I guess maybe. There's only one way that movie got made, and it was that the FBI forced them to make it. All right. Other people do say, and this is the only legit way in my mind because I don't know. He would have to have been given like a bajillion dollars, but some say that the FBI just had some dirt on him, so he just agreed to fake the moon landing with them so that they would cover it up. I don't know. And that's all I really found on I mean, that. It's but a it's big conspiracy like, with like not new info ever. That's well, here's the thing too, right? Like, I just want to go back to the Kubrick thing for a little bit. Like, he wouldn't have done this all himself. He's not like Robert Rodriguez that like makes the entire movie by himself and would act every single part if he could, right? You know, I mean, there's like a ton of people that would be involved, you know? And, and most of those people are not like people that would be in the Illuminati and like high level. That's the thing about all of this is it's really, you have a sound. Someone did the sound mix on the lunar landing faking movie, right? Like there was craft services for that. Like somebody had to like make the sandwiches for the fake astronauts and stuff, right? Like this is just, you know, and, and yeah, you're not going to pay those people off enough 
No. You know, to keep their mouths shut about what they made. And there was no, like, it would almost be slightly feasible if, like, 2001 was being made at the time. And it was like, if the theory was, well, shit, he filmed the fake lunar landing while they were making 2001. And people didn't realize they were working on it. And, oh, shit, maybe that's what happened. I bet that's what happened. And that's why, like, Janice, the lady with the Italian subs, hasn't ratted anyone out ever. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she was working she on it. It's, it's like, uh, you know, how, like, uh, The Dark Knight was Rory's first kiss. Like, they don't tell you the movie that you're really making. You what? know, so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was a working time when they filmed The Dark Knight. Because, like, movies like that, they don't, when they advertise yeah. for extras and, and stuff like that, they don't use the real name or whatever. So when they were filming The Dark Knight in Chicago, the, the, the fake name of that movie was Rory's first kiss. That's so, so random. I don't even know how to respond to that. Oh, this was a random fact I found that I just really loved because a prominent moon landing conspiracist confronted Because there Buzz- are different levels of reputation and reputableness yeah. within you that. You have your yeah. Reddit dudes. They're low level, usually, unless a popular one is in there leading a discussion. And then you have your average loonies, and then you have your prominent you have your self-published ones, and then, then you have the ones that are, that are on the speaking circuit. So many different layers, you know. But he confronted Buzz Aldrin about faking the moon landing outside the Beverly Hills Hotel in 2002, and Aldrin punched him, <laughs> knocked him out. It's my favorite. So I, I just need to point out that in our in our working doc after we started this, what I was, I'm pretty sure actually this is what I was typing when Kelly said I was question, like I had to look like I was questioning her. I was typing, please tell me that we will talk about Buzz Aldrin punching out a lunar landing denier because that's like my favorite thing about the entire Apollo program in any way, shape, or form because it's just like Buzz is like Buzz gives no fucks. Right? He certainly like, does not. Yeah. Um. One, and I, I mean, do. like how I, I, I don't I don't endorse violence. I don't I mean, you can punch Nazis. That's OK, I guess. But like, I mean, I can the totally, moon, if you landed on the fucking moon and some jamoke from whatever is going to come up and tell you it wasn't true, man. Buzz. Yeah. Haymaker his ass. I mean, yeah. even Jesus wouldn't turn that other cheek. Jesus would punch Jesus out, punched out a truther about him not rising from the dead. If it was about him landing on the moon. Yeah. Mm, okay. I mean, Jesus could be like, yeah, sure. You can deny me rising from the dead. I get it. You know, you need to be skeptical. You need to question. And then the person's like, yeah, but you know what? Buzz Aldrin to land on the moon. And Jesus would be like, I'm fucking knocking your lights out, bro. That's how that goes down. That's in the new, new Testament, the new, new Testament. I'll have to read. I'm very excited. It's very short. It's basically just one parable and it's Jesus punching out a lunar landing denier. My favorite part though, was the newspaper asked the guy who confronted buzz and got punched by him about the incident. They wanted his comment and his comment was, I still believe they faked the moon landing (laughs) and I love his commitment. I'm just really proud of him. You know, I mean, he took a punch for his weird cause. Yeah, so then the last thing I really got into is just some brief research. It's another movie conspiracy, or it was a conspiracy, and then they made a movie about it, so it regained popularity, was that Hitler and the Nazis live on the moon. There's a movie called Iron Sky, which I had never heard of, but uh, it claimed Hitler and the Nazis went to the moon in 1945 instead of suiciding themselves in their bunker. And then... It's sort of like Dr. Evil, like, blasting <laughs> yeah, so when he off goes in big in boy. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched the Austin Powers trilogy for no reason, like a few weeks ago. So great. That's exactly what I'm imagining. You know, it was like, see ya suckers. (laughs) Next time gadget. Yeah. They were supposed to come back in 2012 on a big boy shaped spaceship back to earth, which I think plays into the Mayan apocalypse, which I do also want to talk about in another episode, like not super a conspiracy, but worth it. So this movie claimed that, and then it brought up old conspiracies, but this was a, a very, early conspiracy because after Hitler died in his bunker, the Soviets started a misinformation campaign to have people question whether or not he was really dead. And they spread this around at the battle of Berlin, that he was on the moon or that he wasn't really dead. Once the moon landing happened because of the space race and the stuff with the Soviets and all this other stuff, it became that he, that's where he went, not Argentina as previously thought. (laughs) And as much more achievable. <laughs> so much easier to get secreted out of your bunker to Argentina. But Hitler dreamed big and he is on the moon with his Nazi brethren. 
this podcast's official stance is that we do hope all the Nazis are dead. <laughs> so right, yeah. I, I don't care if they're on the moon. Uh, this podcast's official stance on debunking the do Nazis live on the moon is as follows. No, of course they fucking don't. Thank you for making that clear, but it is a fun little theory. I did like this theory just because of how it all dovetailed so perfectly. So we have we have everything good here. We have a Soviet misinformation campaign spread throughout the military at the Battle of Berlin that Hitler wasn't really dead. The biggest fear that people really spread about the Nazis in the States and the Soviets, and obviously there were many, but they were really scared of their advanced science and technology. So the U.S. was really terrified of this technology they had. So it was really easy to come up with this theory that they had these rockets that could get to outer space well before those existed. But yeah, because so much of our space technology came from folks who were, you know, coming from Germany, coming from that regime, you know, like either fleeing it or whatever, but they knew it there. Right. So I could see how then you make that connection and you're like, oh, shit, like those are just the ones who came. But like maybe there's, you know, the people who worked with Werner von Braun and, and, and such. Right. Absolutely. And throughout World War II in the States, there were huge, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories because I think they weren't, but there were huge fear campaigns and just information spreading about what the Luftwaffe could do and their capacity to to get into space and to destroy us. That's how they were going to win. That's how they were going to beat us was their ability to fly, their aerial technology. It made approval of using nuclear weapons a little higher in the States at the time. So the government did use this as a way to gain approval to drop nukes because they wanted to know that we were at risk of the same technology. So we had to use it first was what I found. So it's it's a lunatic conspiracy that Hitler would live on the moon. But the way it comes about and the origins are just so classic and just like fear based and government propaganda and all this stuff. So it was kind of just really fascinating to see all those things kind of combined together and now there's a reddit thread that hitler lives on the moon you know you know what hitler probably has on the moon what he probably has an air fryer (laughs) because hitler's just like you (laughs) (laughs) that's not okay I don't know how to get out of that. I don't know how to go back. I don't know how to get out of that. I guess. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, I got an air fryer. So, like, tweet us if you, like, have good air fryer recipes. That's probably what, what we got here because we're, we're. So, tell me about your air fryer. Have you tried to make anything yet? I have made one thing in it, which was donuts. But they weren't real donuts. But I was looking in the recipe book and I saw donuts. And I'm like, oh. And Obviously, my girlfriend yes. was like, oh, you make them. She's like, you have biscuit dough in the refrigerator. And I'm like, oh. So, it's like making quote donuts with refrigerator biscuits and i will tell you they turned out really good and they taste really good they're not donuts i mean delicious they're delicious so like it's a treat i would 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 make and recommend but it made me decide that i want to make actual donuts my air fryer so sometime in the next week or so i'm gonna make some some like yeasty donut dough and and make some some real donuts Uh, i was very excited to see that it can be a dehydrator so you can make like jerky but it's not huge which means so it means you can't make very much Right. So that's sort of my thing. I'm like, it's like eight hours to make like three pieces of jerky. Probably each kid will have half a slice of jerky and no right. more. Right. <laughs> due to capacity. Thank yeah. you. But I'm I'm excited because it's like, you know, it's good for like making vegetables like you would make them in the oven. It's no different. Right. Than that, right. The way that I usually make veggies in the, you know, roasted in the oven on a baking sheet, except that like it's a little easier to time it, I think, and it's a little more predictable. And and the big thing is the one I got like has two baskets and you can Which is fun. It is. You can allegedly program them separately and it will sync them so they finish at the same time. Um so if like if I'm making, you know, make some chicken nuggets and fries in one of them, make the vegetables in the other one, and then everything turns out at the, the same time because I have children, which means no matter what the mains are, there will also always be chicken and nuggets and fries at almost every single meal. Is an air fryer just, is it kind of the same mechanism as a convection oven or what? I, I what think does it so. do? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel like air frying is like a bit of a misnomer because I mean, it's not like a deep fryer. You're not going to get the same, no. you, just so we're clear, like it doesn't, it's not magic. I think it just, a lot of people enjoy thinking that they're eating something fried, which is good. 
That's I do too. I love fried food. So if I hear it's an air fryer and I feel like I'm getting a healthy version of something, it's I like it. Yeah. So I don't really know quite how it works. This was a little bit of an impulse buy. You know, it's like people have been talking about it and then my girlfriend had gotten one recently and she was telling me and we were at Target and I just was looking at it and she was sort of explaining to me what she's done with it. And I'm like, oh, this like could solve some of the things that I do with making meals with my kids and stuff. A lot of making stuff in the regular oven. You know, again, you also uh, to me, a big thing was like, oh, I can make two things like in an oven style thing that are at different temperatures at the same time, because that's my other problem. I you sit there and I'm like, okay, well, let's see. I need to make chicken nuggets for my one kid. I need to make tater tots for everybody. But I'm also going to make roast asparagus for most of the rest of us. And I need them all to be done at the same time. I have one oven and they all are at different temperatures. It's like, well, what's the average temperature amongst all those three things? <laughs> like, right. How do I no, fake my I way through it? And it's never perfect. So I was like, eh, I don't know. I think it would be actually super clutch if you had kids. I don't know if I would get one because they're just kind of big. I don't have the space. And they're I'm just big. One That's, yeah. An air fryer did almost kill me once. So did it like fall on you? It did. It fell on my head. <laughs> and then oh, I was kidding. I, I was, had. I was um, trying to figure out how an air fryer could kill no, you, and that was about the only thing I could think of. Fell on my head, and so I was at the work the next day, and one of the nurses was like, "You, you might have like just like a mild concussion," and I was like, "I was don't it, have time for that." <laughs> did somebody have it like up on a shelf? It was over the fridge, and I opened the fridge door, and it wasn't like shoved back. It was sort of like in when you're pulling a prank and you put a bucket of paint yeah. over a propped open door and yes, yeah, I, it was like that, <laughs> just just not as fun for me. <laughs> so anyway, they're my enemies. So I won't ever be buying one because of the time one almost fair. killed me. But no, it would be great if you had kids because turning the oven on for those frozen foods is just kind of a hassle. And then veggies and all that stuff. Yeah, I can see this would be good. It's funny because in the recipe book that it comes with, they're all examples of two things to make at the same time that are... <laughs> well, because that's sort of the thing they're trying yeah, to illustrate, like whatever. And actually, point. one of the things that was in there that I was like, I would totally make that. And I know it's easy to do, but it seems like it'd be easier to do in this. But it was sort of... Uh, it was just it, it was just sausage and peppers. But yeah. it was like you put your onions and peppers in one basket, you put the sausages in the other, and you fire it off. And now you got sandwiches. And I was like, I could do all of those things, but this just seems a lot easier. And justifying it by showing off that I have a two compartment air fryer means I'm more likely to do it. Correct. (laughs) No, that sounds good. I look forward to seeing your air fryer recipes. I am really scared of my Instant Pot because those scare me. I have one, but I'm like, I've used it once. Now, granted, I only got it like a few weeks ago. So it's not okay. like that. Like I've had this thing for two years and only used it once, but I am a little like scared of it. And and I, I made one thing in it and I was sort of like, it was anti-climate. Like I made pot roast in it, but I'm like, you know what? Pot roast is better in a slow cooker, which I could use my instant pot as a slow cooker. And that's just what I should have done. And it right. would have been better. I've never understood the allure of an Instapot. I just don't ever need to kind of pressure cook things or cook things very quickly. And again, I'm just a single one person and you have three kids, but I don't really understand their function because I could just use a crock pot or the regular well, that's, oven. So th- to be fair, this is my theory. I did not buy this. This was given to me by my step. No, I'm saying my stepmom gave it to me because she bought one like a year or so ago and never, ever used it. So when I was like, oh, I'm interested. she's like, here, I'll give you mine. Got it. So it's basically free. So if I don't use it, at least I didn't invest. And my theory was I don't have a crock pot. So okay. I was like, okay, so this way something. I, I, I can have this as a slow cooker and it can also do these other things if I ever choose to do that. And the only reason I did the pot roast in the pressure cooker was I was like, I want to see what this does, but I would probably never do that again. Right. Cause I'm like, I would right. rather make my pot roast in, in a slow cooker, in a slow cooker. And it's also like, again, what hurry am I? And I work at home. Well, that too right <laughs> yeah, now, like yeah, especially yeah. now for most people, it's just not, right. You're like, who's <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just wary of too much clutter and appliances in my kitchen. Like I cook so often. I mean, I cook at least one meal from scratch a day and I just don't like a lot of stuff or clutter. And I find that I don't ever end up using these things often enough to make it worth their while. So I'm not like shit talking them. I think it's awesome that you got them. I over rotated on this stuff because of that, because I moved into it. And I don't have yeah. a huge kitchen in my house, but it's bigger than but one you have my a apartment. beautiful kitchen, so- beautifully colored. 
at least for another month or so. Sure. And it's getting painted. But like, I was so excited that I'm like, I actually have room and I can have room to have like a stand mixer now and everything. But then it's like, oh, of course I can have this because I have room right. now. I can have this. I can have this. And then suddenly you're like, no, asshole, you don't have that much more room. <laughs> you have some more room, but you're not enough to have all the things. But I was just excited to be able to have some room to have the things and not have it be oh, fun. taking up space on my counter and clutter and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. But my one ride or die, like cannot live without food appliance. If you have limited space and or limited budget, just get a really nice top of the line food processor. It does so much. It's really like four appliances in one. It can do anything. Then you don't have to have maybe the nicest blender if you're not like making smoothies every day, whatever. You can use the food processor to puree all your foods. It shreds cheese. It does everything. So that's That's like the one thing I use. I I am not regretting, but I am bemoaning not having a food processor lately because I didn't have one in my apartment because I used to have a lot of room for stuff and I was rebuying things and all this nonsense. The problem is I've been wanting to do these things too, but like this has all happened as you know, you may or may not know as a listener to this podcast, but I just bought this house last month. And let me tell you, the holidays are not the time to go to try to buy small kitchen appliances because they are all sold out because everybody bought each other stand mixers and food processors and all these things. I think we'll have to we'll have to come back to more appliance talk in the future. But maybe some more fun food talk in the future. I was kind of slacking. Yeah, we were we were lower on food content. We had a lot more last time because we had well the cereal draft took up a fair amount so of time. Fun. That was that was some of our most like well received not well received, but uh people really had thoughts about the cereal draft. They so. did. I liked it. I liked everyone's comments. I mean, not. I, I like the engagement because it mm-hmm. makes me sound like a social media manager. You are. <laughs> it's your job. But I'm only half of it. I just I told Kelly she could manage our Instagram account. <laughs> she, Kelly's like, should we have an Insta? And I'm like, yeah, go do that. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's not. I was like, oh. <laughs> Shit, that's not the answer I was hoping for, but I'm very excited to do our Insta. <laughs> no, it will be fun. I can't wait till the first time I post something from the wrong account. <laughs> I was just going to say the. It'll be within hours, if not days. I, wa- I want to know if people if people have bets on the over under to when this turns into a 90 day fiance podcast. <laughs> Would the people be upset? <laughs> what, what kind of content are you looking for? <laughs> Yeah, let us know on Twitter at Kishanon or on Instagram at Kishanon. I actually almost watched 90 Day Fiance from Sunday before we recorded this and then realized I couldn't because I would have just, I would have intermingled all the subjects. Right. Maybe we'll try that next time. Though, Half the cast know, is maybe... from Russia. It would have been so confusing. Oh, see, I'm telling you though, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Let's, we'll have to try it, but on a future episode, because number mm-hmm. one, you didn't actually watch it. So there's no. that. And also we are more then out of time. <laughs> so sorry. Thank you for Don't be sorry. You gave we gave the people extra. It was bonus content. Bonus content. Bonus content, guys. Bonus. Lucky. Bonus. Yeah. Who doesn't have 90 minutes to kill? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? We do. <laughs> but with that, uh take take uh the things you learned about the moon landing. And by the way, the most thing you should learn about the moon landing is yes, we did go to the moon. And no, Nazis do not live on the moon with or without air fryers. (laughs) Or condensed milk. Or condensed milk. (laughs) As always, uh, I'm Matt. And I'm Kelly. This is Keishanon. And remember that the truth and the tacos are out there. (laughs) 